You're listening to the One Small Bite Podcast with me, your host, David Roscoe. For over a decade, I have built a successful nutrition practice helping thousands of people thrive, nourish their life, and break the cycle of crazy diets. We will take one small bite at a time to transform your health and develop a positive relationship to food. So let's chop the diet mentality, fuel your body, and nourish your soul. Okay, are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is your host, David Orozco, with the One Small Bite Podcast. And this is the place where we chop that diet mentality so we could make a more positive relationship to food, live a life with food and eating that's in line with our values, and build that self-compassionate approach that will help us live a more full and complete life. And with that said, I'm excited to bring you episode 81, which is another edition of the Friday Foodcast. Today, we're going to talk about intermittent fasting and weight loss. And I brought, I've talked about intermittent fasting in the past, but I thought I'd bring this up. This is another edition of the research part of this podcast where we bring in a study and look at it and analyze it and scrutinize it from the lens of a more weight-inclusive approach versus that weight-centric approach. Before we get started, I want to remind you that this podcast and episode is brought to you by our practice, TD Wellness. TD Wellness is an anti-diet, weight-inclusive, body-positive organization that helps people thrive in their journey towards transformation for, for what? For building a more positive relationship to, to, to food. Look us up, go to tdwellness.com and click on contact us and let us know what you think. Great. So then I also want to ask if you haven't yet already, what are you waiting for? Hit the subscribe button if you haven't subscribed to this podcast so you can get these episodes downloaded directly to your device. And I'd like to ask you a big favor, if you don't mind, please scroll down to wherever you're listening to this podcast, especially on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, and click on make or leave a review. Hit me up with some stars. I greatly appreciate that because that helps us push this out to more listeners and to people that are really looking for an anti-diet, weight-inclusive approach to their living. Okay, let's get started with today's episode. Like I said, this is really interesting. This is a little bit more on bringing to you some research to get a little bit better clarity about what's going on. And I'm excited to say because my interns do a good job of this, and this is one of the things that my interns have to do, this is a study that my intern Ivy Tran, who was with me a few months back, brought to us and presented, and I use these for the podcast, which is very important. So I want to thank Ivy Tran. All right, so um, what she did was she found an article online about intermittent fasting and weight loss. And what we do is we take that article and we take some of the research that's in there to try to analyze it and look at what the research is showing. So she found a research called... Um, effects of eight weeks of time-restricted feeding, 16 slash 8, 
which means that they restrict for 16 hours and they eat within an eight hour period. Then this was on basal metabolism, maximal strength, body composition, inflammation, and cardiovascular risk factors in resistance trained male athletes. So this comes from the Journal of Translational Medicine, which is part of the BMC, the Biomedical, excuse me, the Biomed Central Journals and Articles. So it's a pretty um, um, astute and well-regarded journal. This is a good journal. This is something that's uh, uh, important when you're trying to do research, right? So uh, here's a little bit of the background on this study. It was intermittent fasting, or IF, is mostly studied and researched on certain religions and certain groups, like, for example, the Ramadan period of fasting, to give you one example. Um, They used what's called time-restricted feeding, or TRF, which is a method of intermittent fasting. And there are different forms of intermittent fasting. If you heard my other episode on intermittent fasting, there are various types of intermittent fasting. This is 16-8, 16 fasting and 8 hours uh, eating. And so this is probably one of the most common forms of intermittent fasting or time-restricted feeding. So what they did is they wanted to see what intermittent fasting had on among fitness practitioners because of claims of fat loss and muscle maintenance. There, there hasn't been a lot of scientific information on time-restricted feeding or intermittent fasting in relationship to athletes. A few studies have showed related uh, information, but they've been with mixed results. So the purpose of the study was to investigate the effects of time-restricted feeding or intermittent fasting on body composition, athletic performance, and metabolic factors during resistance training among resistance-trained male athletes. Or another way of saying it, it's athletes that do a lot of muscle or resistance exercise, think weights, think training with a lot of explosive exercise. So here were the methods. They took 53 individuals to volunteer as part of the study. However, seven were dismissed for using anabolic steroids. 12 had declined after hearing the study's protocol. And so in total, there were 34 participants in the study. 17 subjects were randomly assigned to a time-restricted feeding group, TRF, and 17 subjects were randomly assigned to a diet, uh, standard diet group. So this was also what's called a single blind design. The sim- single blind design means that either the participants or the researchers are blinded to the study and whether they're receiving the actual whether drug or um, mechanism or test area, the hypothesis group, they either the researchers or the participants don't know. So that's what single blinded design means. The subject's dietary intake was measured by a validated seven-day food diary and analyzed by a nutritional software. They didn't state exactly, um, but there's a lot of them out there, and it wasn't your MyFitnessPal kind of apps that you use. These are used by professionals. During the preliminary, preliminary week, all the subjects were instructed to maintain their habitual caloric intake, meaning what they normally eat. All individuals in both groups consumed 100% of their, their calorie needs, but they were divided into three meals during the day 
in the eight-week experimental period, the time-restricted feeding group, or the intermittent fasting group, consume their meals at 1 p.m., 4 p.m., and 8 p.m. So in other words, they fasted after 8 p.m., after their last meal, all the way up until 1 p.m. the next day, so 16 hours. And then they ate their meals, three meals, 1 p.m., 4 p.m., and 8 p.m. For the standard meal group, the people that were not fasting, they were told to consume their meals at 8 a.m., 1 p.m., and 8 p.m. So this sort of matches a standard approach to most eating routines or structures. We have breakfast around the morning time, somewhere between, say, 7 and 9 a.m., and then we have lunch between that uh, 11.30 to 1.30 or 2 o'clock time frame, and then dinner between that 6 to 8. So again, that's what they mean by this standard diet or standard meal time. Uh, training was standardized for both groups as all subjects had at least five years of resistance training prior to the study. The subjects trained three times a week for eight weeks on non-consecutive days. Uh, their body weight, height, BMI, body fat mass, and free uh, fat-free mass was measured. Limb circumferences and ventilatory, uh, ventilatory measurements were recorded using ventilated measurement tools. I'm not sure exactly what that meant, but um, blood samples were taken at baseline and after eight weeks. Strength was measure, measured through one repetition max for the leg and bench press exercise. The subjects executed a specific warm-up for each one repetition max. So they had an opportunity to do a warm-up, and then they were tested for one rep, and that's it. That, that, that was the strength test. Weight could gradually be added until failure to complete the warm-up if they wanted to as well. Um, the greatest load lift would count as the one rep max. So they can do it, um, more and the more weight they added, that would be the one rep max that would use. So that 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 has a little bit of an issue with with results as well. Okay, so these were the results. After eight weeks, fat free mass was maintained in both groups. In other words, they didn't lose uh, um, much lean tissue. While there was a significant decrease in fat mass among the intermittent fasting or time really uh, restricted feeding group. There was no difference in physical strength between the two groups, which makes sense if they're both training at the same levels and fat-free mass like muscle is not being lost, then generally speaking, they're able to lift or push or pull the same amount of strength and weight as the control group. So that was interesting. They looked at blood glucose and insulin levels, and they also saw a decrease significantly in the fasting or the time-restricted fasting group only. There was no significant changes in blood, what's called lipids, so think about cholesterol, triglycerides, between both groups. So what were the conclusions? The conclusions from this, from the results show that the study suggests that a 16-hour fasting and an eight-hour eating could benefit resistant-trained athletes to improve health-related biomarkers, decrease fat mass, and maintain muscle mass. So, in first, this looks good. It's like, oh, okay, if I fast 
and I do an intermittent fasting, then supposedly this is going to work. So we might not really see it that way. And by work, I mean, if you're reading this and you're not a trained athlete, you're going to think, oh, look, I'm going to lose fat, but I'm going to maintain that muscle. And I see this quite often with men. So let's take a look at this a little bit more closely. So what we see here is that there isn't a cause and effect. We don't know if it's the intermittent fasting or the fact that they are not eating enough calories in general, because while we can't really measure the amount of food that they're consuming, they didn't do that in this group. So we don't know. We really are not sure. Uh, the other thing that, so I'll have to say that this is a correlational study, not a cause and effect. It sounds like cause and effect, like if I fast, then you'll see this, but mm, it's correlational. It's not cause and effect. Um, the sample size, 34 people or 17 in the study group, it, you can't really speak to the general population in regards to this. The other thing, too, is that they were all male, they were healthy, and they were athletes. So glucose, cholesterol, and fat-free mass, we don't know where they were to begin with, and so therefore... Was that a bad thing? Does, does this mean that it can be translated into people who are of heavier weight? Or can this translate into people that don't exercise? So there's a lot of ifs in all that. We can't you know, overgeneralize this to the general population. I mentioned this earlier, and, and, and I said that this is a single-blinded study where the participants in this case did not know which group they were in. So this does bring in a little bit of complications because the observers of the group or the study, um, the examiners, they did know which individuals were in the group. So there definitely can be some biases on what foods to eat, what physical activity, and what you are doing with that individual. You want a double-blinded. So you don't know who's in what group and they don't know they're in the study or not. Uh, the other thing, too, is that this study was eight weeks long. Now, again, when we go back to 17 people, highly trained athletes, male, healthy, and only 17 people, we can't generally say that this is going to apply to the, po the population. So the duration of the study was very, very, very short. The diets were not really regulated either. So what were they eating? Again, another thing that is um, hard to put together. Um, another thing that I would say is they still ate three meals. So they had a one o'clock, a four o'clock, and an eight o'clock meal. And so they're still having their usual caloric level. So they were eating the same amount. What I find is when people do intermittent fasting, they tend to cut out a significant amount of food and don't eat anything uh, or don't eat as much within that eight-hour period. So oftentimes, I see a lot of people lose weight because they're just restricting calories, quite honestly. Um, the method for this study was structured in terms of mealtimes, as I was mentioning earlier. And so, again, we, we are seeing that they're still getting the three full meals, Okay. So um, this just really goes to show that, uh, uh, you know, the, the, res the results here aren't that great. 
they, yes, they kept on fat-free mass or lean tissue. They were able to keep their strength. But were they able to do that for eight months or 12 months or what would happen later on down the road? The other thing is, is that if you try to apply this to the general public, are you going to be able to have people um, maintain intermittent fasting on a regular basis straight going on and on? In other words, is it sustainable? The answer to that, at least in my uh, view, is the vast majority of people are not going to be able to sustain that. The other thing, too, here is that these people, these participants, were not of heavier weight bodies. So it's always interesting to me when you're doing something like this, you might want to do it with people who are of different, different ethnicities, socioeconomic levels, and different fit physiques, male as well as female, as well as transgender or um, uh, sexual fluidity here. Or are we talking about um, sexual identities? You, 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 are we talking about certain ethnicities? There is a lot here that's missing with all of this. And there's a lot of social determinants of health, too. It's like, well, fat isn't gained or weight isn't gained just because you're overeating food either. So there's a lot, a lot of uh, things here that just don't stick. So when we go back to the point of this study, you know, can we look at intermittent fasting to help with weight loss? When you look at this at surface level, this being the study, the answer is, oh yeah, look, people lost fat-free mass. But again, when you look at all of those other areas of this research, it, uh, it doesn't really show anything more than they did something for eight weeks on very healthy people that are very athletic, and they ate the same amount of calories. So you kind of scratch your head a little bit and go, oh, okay. Well, maybe this works for a short period of time, but what is the long-term effect of that? And we don't understand what the long-term effect of that is. The other thing, too, is that it didn't really help with cholesterol. We have heard that intermittent fasting helps with cholesterol and helps lower glucose levels. And again, yes, that may happen early on, but what is the long-term outcome? Also, is it happening because of intermittent fasting, meaning time-restricted eating, or is it happening because people are also not eating what they used to eat from the t- from the eight-hour time period that they are eating? So a lot of ifs here, folks. All right, so what's the, my bottom line? My bottom line is, is that, first and foremost, we're getting a lot of messages, and I mentioned this before, a lot of messages that are copied, so to speak. We believe so heavily that fat and weight and someone's body and shape is at the core of their problems. But there is so much more complexity to a person's health than their weight. There are their factors in life. There are their economic status, their their education, their access to health, their environment, the access to food. There is so many things that are happening. If you listen to that episode with Michelle Gooden on social determinants of health, you can understand what I'm talking about here. So the bottom line is, First and foremost, we have a fat phobia. We need to let go of this belief that fat is at the core of our problems or that being overweight or being of a heavier size is the core of our problems. That's just sloppy and lazy medicine or lazy healthcare. We need to start looking at the individual. We need to start looking at the whole picture. And that's a lot more complex 
The other thing that fat phobia does is it puts the problem on the person. It's their fault that they're like that. It's them eating way too much food, and it's it's their problem, and that puts a lot of shame and it puts a lot of guilt. And I'm going to talk a lot more about that shame, that guilt, and the effects of trauma on the body. I'm going to have Patrick Bryant. You remember him? He's my buddy who is a licensed clinical social worker. Him and I are going to talk about the idea of diet and trauma. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope it was helpful for you. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me. You can go to info at tdwellness.com. Or you can go to our website, tdwellness.com, click on Contact Us, and leave me a message there. You, If you have a moment, could you please do us a favor and leave us a review? Those reviews, as I mentioned earlier, really help us getting this episode and these podcasts out to more people. All right, folks, I hope you enjoy this. I look forward to having you listen to our next episode coming up soon with Patrick Bryant. And I've got some other great guests, including um, Kent Thomas. Uh, He's a certified intuitive eating counselor. And we also have a couple of other guests coming on soon that I'm really excited to have on. All right, folks, this is me signing off. Thank you very much for listening. I greatly appreciate you taking the time. And then until next time, Chop that diet mentality, fuel your body, and nourish your soul. Hasta luego.